0: Now is the time to worship. Come. Now is the time to give your heart. Come.
1: Welcome to the Leamington United Mennonite Church Sunday Morning Message Podcast. For more information about Leamington United Mennonite Church, Please visit our website at www.lumc.ca.
0: One day every tongue will confess you are God. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who glad you choose you now. Come, just tongue will confess
1: If my memory serves me correctly, the year was 1984. It was the end of November when I was driving down Second Avenue West in Hanna, Alberta, the equivalent to Talbot Street West here in Leamington. As I drove, I noticed Karen Weimer, a 15-year-old girl who had started to attend the congregation's youth group. She was walking down the street. And she saw me as, well, in in Hannah, where it was a town of 2,000, everybody knew everybody. So she waved. And it being a warm Chinook day, uh, November day, and I had the windows of the car down. So on impulse, I said, hey, good looking, what's cooking? I thought I saw her chuckle, and I believe that was the end of it. Four weeks later, I was home alone, since my wife, Sydney, and our children had flown to Washington, D.C., so that our children could spend their first ever Christmas morning with their grandparents. So it was, I was home alone when I got a phone call in the evening. Hi, this is Herb Weimer. I'm over at the Hazel's house. I need to talk to you. Herb Weimer was Karen's father. And since the Weimers lived on a farm over, minute, over a 20 minute drive from town, it was no surprise to me that they were at their longtime time uh, friend's home, the Hazels, who at one time lived only three or four minute drive from their farm on, out in the country. And the Hazels had moved to town many, many years before. Since Herb's phone conversation with me was very short, as I walked the 10 minutes to the Hazels' house, I could only imagine what Herb wanted to talk to me about. Since my impromptu sense of humor has gotten me into hot water before, I figured that the Weemers were in town having a Christmas visit with the Hazels, and somehow what I said to Karen came up. Now Herb was motivated to finally give me a piece of his mind about my greeting to his daughter. So I continued to walk, so as I continued to walk, I accepted the very fact that I was going to have to eat a whole humble pie all by myself that evening. And therefore I rehearsed over and over again how I would apologize for what I had said to Karen. Herb Weimer opened the door of the Hazels' home, and as I entered, Herb said in a very low, emotional voice, We lost Karen tonight. Instead of calling me over to the Hazels to chew me out, Herb had called me to tell me Karen, who had asthma, had had a vicious attack that evening and had died in his arms as they waited for the paramedics to drive the 20 minutes to their farm. The anguish of Karen's death was multiplied by the fact Karen died on the 21st of December. The traditional day for a funeral would have been four days later, the 24th of December, uh, December, Christmas Eve. Further, since that Christmas day fell on a Thursday, on that particular year. If the family waited until after Christmas for the funeral, it would have to take place on the following Monday, on the 27th of December, full seven days after Karen had died. And so I asked the family the hard question, could you deal with having a funeral seven days later? After much silence, many tears and few words, it was decided to have the funeral on Christmas Eve, the 24th of December. Therefore, the community and the church congregation I served were faced with dealing emotionally with a funeral for a 15-year-old girl on the morning of Christmas Eve, and then some six hours later having a Christmas Eve candlelight service. I myself had to throw out my planned Christmas Eve message and find the strength and pray for guidance to write a message that spoke of the good news of Jesus' birth, of the new life that Jesus promises us in death, after death, as we heard in Revelations. I had to proclaim good news to a community in the depths of a very dark valley of sorrow. For the people who knew Karen Weimer, it was a horrible ending to 1984, and yet at the same time, it ended with them hearing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. With this Sunday being the last Sunday of 2019 and only three days before New Year's Eve, it it seemed appropriate to have a sermon somewhat focused on saying goodbye to 2019 and saying hello and ushering 2020. And we already have heard that in the prayers this morning. It seemed most appropriate to do this since we usually say goodbye or good riddance to the old year And in many ways are saying, we are glad it is finally over. It's been not a good year at all. And therefore we say, happy new year. Hoping to begin a new year with better times. But as Christians, we have been given a task by our Lord and Savior, the babe of Bethlehem. The task of continuing his work. Which we heard in the reading from Matthew 28, uh, five, or 28, the babe of Bethlehem asked us to continue his work, which Jesus summed up so well in the synagogue when he was there uh, in, and took the scroll on on the Sabbath read from Isaiah 61 and six, uh, verses sixty-one uh, and 2. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then we again hear that Jesus tells the disciples of John, when they're looking and asking if he is the Messiah, the Christ, we can read in Matthew, uh, Luke seven twenty one Jesus' answer, where he says, uh, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense in me. In both instances, Jesus indicates that he is the Messiah. He is the Christ, God's chosen one. The Messiah because he brings good news to the poor. The good news that in spite of what society tells them, namely that they were poor because God did not appreciate them, God did not love them, did not care for them. In spite of what society back then told the poor, Jesus had a radical, completely different message for them. Jesus proclaimed the good news that God loved them, that God cared for them, for God cares for all people and for all creation. We who have been given the Holy Spirit so that we believe and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we who have been, given this, have been given this task by the babe of Bethlehem to proclaim the good news to all people, especially to the poor and suffering. But in order to do this, we have to first empty ourselves of all our pride and need to judge others, just as Jesus emptied himself. And so I had to empty my feelings of betrayal. Yes, betrayal that God would require of me to put all my feelings aside on how unfair it was that Karen's Weimar funeral had been held on Christmas Eve. And on the other hand, I had to empty myself of the temptation of shaming those who rarely came to church but did so on that Christmas Eve because they were hurting. Yes, I had to empty myself of the temptation of shaming them for their lack of practicing their faith, but showing up now in their time in a time of tragedy. They came to Christmas Eve service, hurt, mourning, in sorrow. They needed to hear the good news that Jesus was with them in their sorrow and mourning and would be until the end of the age, even in the upcoming year of 1985. That's what Jesus promises us in the Great Commission. And so we too have to make sure that we do not throw the good news of Jesus out with the wrapping paper and ribbons of a Christmas Day presents and we at the same time have to accept for everything there is a season under heaven, as we heard read in Ecclesiastes 3. Yes, even a season of disappointment, hurt, grief, anguish, and feeling of, of uh, betrayal. And this is a hard message for us to proclaim for as we heard Pastor Mike Williamson tell us on Christmas morning, people had told him, had told him it was their hope that the sermon on Christmas morning would be devoid of all doom and gloom of the Advent sermons and one it would be one encompassing all joy and celebration. But to do only that would be avoiding the elephant in the room. If six hours after Karen Weimer's funeral, the Christmas Eve service made no mention of Karen's death and the sorrow her death caused her family and all who knew her, if that had happened, I truly believe that many worshipers that night, had they been people who came every Sunday or just now and then, if that had been the, that the case, Those people who came would have left Christmas Eve service believing that for all the talk of love, compassion, grace, understanding, and so on in Jesus Christ, they would have left that Christmas Eve saying, the church talks a good talk, but doesn't know how to do the walk. In order to proclaim the good news to the poor, to those who are hurting in any way, they need to know that we know they are hurting. And for that, we need to set aside our own needs. We need to empty ourselves as Jesus did. We need to empty ourselves of the need of, our, to, of the temptation to judge and be filled with the courage to listen to their hurts and what is bringing them down. But oh, how difficult it is for us to listen to others when they're telling us about their hurts and if they are, and if they, they are telling us something that strikes an emotional chord with us, a chord which causes feelings of hurt and injustice and anger in ourselves, the best thing to do is to change the subject and the worst thing to do is to lash out in anger at the other. One thing on my bucket list was to be in Dresden, Germany on February 13th. For that is the day in 1945 the Allies bombed the city and the bombing resulted in a firestorm causing mass destruction and thousands upon thousands of deaths. Even uh, acquaint members are, of this congregation had uh, been there in Dresden at the time, or shortly after the bombing. Every year, on February 13th, a solemn day of remembering is observed in Dresden. Therefore, we plan to go in February of, 19- of 2014, and as a very part- part-time, a very very part-time chaplain of the Franklin Garden Long-Term Care Home, I shared with one resident that I wouldn't be there on a certain day because we would be in Germany and going to Dresden for, as I explained, the solemn day of remembrance. But to my surprise, she, with anger in her voice, said to me, they got what they deserved. She was a post-World War II immigrant from the Netherlands, she had been in Amsterdam as a young woman in 1940 and witnessed how parts of Amsterdam was, bom- was destroyed by German bombers, and so even after 74 years this person harbored her anger over the bombing of Amsterdam. Her anger prevented her from saying, I know what they went through in Dresden. Then there was a visit with a man who had served in the German army during World War II. I had shared with him that on one of our trips to Germany, I visited concentration camp, and he also became angry. Don't tell me about what people suffered in concentration camps. I was a prisoner of war at the end of the war. The French treated us horribly. At night, we were forced to sleep in the mud. And if any one of us raised his head, the guards shot him dead. Concentration camps didn't have to lie in the mud, did they? His anger prevented him from saying, concentration camps, prisoner of war camps, they're all horrible. I know. Yet, we are called by our Lord and Savior to share his lot to empty ourselves so that we might proclaim to others the good news in Jesus that there is truly a God of love and mercy and grace. And there is such great need of this in the world. For all its benefits, the internet, social media, has made it possible for school-age kids today, of today to be verbally bullied and abused 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now don't get me wrong, bullying has always been there. My mother told me how she was made fun of at school because when she attended, uh, when she was six years old in Philadelphia, the only language she could speak was German. My father told me at many times how he was mercifully teased and bullied because even at a very young age, he had to wear glasses. And I confess, I was bullied in school and I have to admit, that I'm surely teased some others to their shame. But the difference is that before the internet, cell phone and cell phones and social media, at least when a person got out of school and was home alone in his house or his or her house or room, the bullying stopped. The bullying stopped. Nowadays it does not stop. And because of the non-stop bullying, even some young primary school students have decided the only way to stop the hurt and the shame is to die by suicide. And then there are us who are hurting about the very fact of the end of life, dying. We want to hang on as Christians, it seems a lot of times, to the very last breath and we'll do anything to make that happen, forgetting that we are going to a different place. That's what Revelation ta- tells us, where there is no more death, no more pain. That was the hopeful message that I had to bring to the congregation in Hanna, Alberta in 1984. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, God, in Jesus, has indeed given us good news. Good news which the Holy Spirit has opened our hearts to believe and trust and find comfort in. The good news that God loves and cares for us in all times of our lives, in the times of joy, and the times of sorrow, like a funeral for a 15-year-old girl on December 24th, or for the person who is bullied 24 hours a day. It is the very good news, same good news that God wants all people to hear, especially the poor, downtrodden and hurting. This is the good news we hear every Sunday morning here in this place. It is the good news that can and will end strife and jealousy and hate and anger. It is the good news which we have been commissioned to proclaim, not only today, but also into 2020, until the end of the age, to proclaim the good news to one and all, as we leave this house of God and go back to our everyday tasks. As at the birth of Jesus, the shepherds, returned to their flocks, returned to their everyday life, returned to their everyday life, praising and glorifying God as they went. And I'm sure as they praised and glorified God through the narrow streets of Bethlehem so many years ago, many people heard the good news that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of us all. If you have questions or comments about the previous recording, please send us an email to lumc at live.com. If you would like more information about Leamington United Mennonite Church, please visit our website at www.lumc.ca.